you're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Hey, everybody. Jeff here. Today, I'm speaking with Chad Peavy and Pasha Sabori from Austin, Texas. Chad is a speaker and trainer, and Pasha is a classical musician, and they've been together for nine years. Chad, Pasha, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So tell me a little bit about your coming out journeys and how you met. Uh, well, mm, I'm a gay Iranian, so that was a very interesting coming out. Um, you know, growing up with a very conservative parents who had never met a gay person. Well, they thought they had never met a gay person in their life. And then their son just happened to be gay. Um, it was an interesting road to navigate. Were you always in this country or did you? Yes. Always in this country. I spent my summers in Iran, um, growing up and, um, I came out when I was, when I had just started my freshman year of college, I was 17. And I think like it was the worst coming out. It wasn't me that actually came out to them. It was an ex-boyfriend that somehow found my parents' phone number that literally outed me right before Christmas break, my freshman year. So um, I kind of walked into a situation that I was not ready to walk into. I was our, I was a virgin still, and my ex-boyfriend called my um, parents and told them that he had slept with me and that he had HIV and that their son was gay. So, like, there was, like, a whole lot of things happening, you know, and then I walked. When I got home, actually, my father met me at the door with a Bible. That was a very rough point. But, you know, um, one thing I will say about my parents, which is quite amazing, is how much they've grown into loving Chad like a son has been really phenomenal. They do. Yeah. So, I mean, it took, I mean, for us, with uh, me and my parents, it took about three years of therapy of them, you know, going, me making them go, um, because I was not going to change. And I just, you know, had to stick my ground and say, you know, if you want to be a part of my life, then this is what needs to happen. And they were great about it. And Chad, was your experience similar, different? (laughs) I grew up um, as a redneck. So that's, I I grew up in rural Arkansas. I came out when I was 22. And I, like Pasha, I probably didn't do it very well. I wish that I could have had a, had more role models for how to come out and how to tell the parents and come to grips with it myself. I, I really wish, you know, I, I feel like I'm a late bloomer by today's standards where you see these kids coming out so early in life. And I just think what courage and bravery, but thank God they have more role models today than even Posh and I had. So I'm, Mark my quote unquote coming out as when I told my parents. I, I knew I was gay growing up, 
I just had a, lot, a really hard time coming to grips with it. We, I grew up as a, a fundamentalist missionary Baptist. We were in church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, sometimes I was even leading the service kind of a thing. Like I really bought into it. And looking back, I realized how much I was trying to uh, overcome and overcompensate, I guess, for what I knew was my truth. So I was in college, went to the University of Arkansas, and I came home one day, and my parents, we were all sitting in the living room, and I said, you know, I'm gay, and it was just sort of downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was easier for me to come out because I went to a conservatory, a music school, where like 98% of the population was gay. I see. And um, Chad, have your parents come around, or are they still kind of in a... Uh, I don't have a relationship with my dad. We haven't spoken in several years, and my mom and I, we continually work on our relationship. And there was a point in time when I said, I, there's just not room for you in my life right now because it's not healthy for me to be around you. It's not healthy for me to talk to you. And we took some time. Uh, that was hard, but for me, it was absolutely necessary just to get that time and that space to process. Uh, I, I grew up, it was an abusive home, and I always blamed my mom for not leaving. I wish that she had been stronger and that she had left him uh, much earlier than she did. She finally left him when I was 30 years old. So my mom and I um, have started, we text more, we call one another more, and we'll working on our relationship. She's planning to come down here later next month. So we're, we're working on it. And so what happened after that, that led up to the two of you meeting? Well, we have the version that we tell everybody <laughs> and then we have the truth. The reason that there are two versions is because we met online at a time when meeting online was not as cool as it is today. So when we, well, met, we met on a sketchy site, you didn't have to tell that much. But we, <laughs> we did. We tell people we met. We tell people we met on Match.com. We did not meet on Match.com. We met on Adam for Adam, which is like it was all the rage in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. I remember that well. And, and, and you know, um, our our conversations were almost pointless because what would happen would would be that you know Chad messaged me and said, "Hi, how's it going?" Um, and then I'd message him back, I'm doing pretty well, how are you? And then two months later, he'd be like, doing well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so that made it hard. Communication has never been my strongest skill. But then we were out, I was out celebrating a friend's birthday. He was out celebrating a friend's birthday at Uchi. And we happened to be like, our tables were right next to one another. And he was wearing exactly what he was wearing in his profile picture. So I knew it was him. I went home after and he messaged me. He said, hey, were you just at Uchi? And I said, yeah. I think that was you right behind me. And our first date was the next day, I think. Yeah. So basically he wanted to make sure that I looked this good <laughs> in person <laughs> before he, he passed the test. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What was it that you saw on each other that first date? Our first date was a mess. <laughs> a mess. Total mess. Lives have been a mess. Yeah, I think that's why. Um, I think that's why it's worked so well. I mean, I think we. I tried to get rid of him at least three times. Tell me that story. Yeah. <laughs> and he just kept coming back. 
Well, my pattern in relationships uh-huh. before Pasha was anytime that there was a fight or a disagreement, it could have been over, you know, what color you interpret the sky as today. I wouldn't want to have the confrontation. I would just leave. So I would stop communicating with them and run the other way. So Pasha and I had uh, some disagreements. I don't know if they were advice. No, he would just break up. Yeah, he would be like, oh, I'm breaking up with you. Or I'd just just go in communicate. And so Pasha would just show up at my door and he goes, no, that's not how this works. Uh, We're going to talk about this and work through it. And that was very, very new for me. I never experienced that. It was was all very foreign. I appreciate your vulnerability, but just a little bit that you shared about your family, it would make sense that with conflict, you would want to just yeah, disappear. But Pasha pushed through that somehow. Yes. He's very persistent. I, for the first six months, he kept breaking up with me. Over <laughs> and over and over again. But, you know, from the first day that I met Chad, I knew I was going to be with Chad. Like, he was the first guy that I laid eyes on. And I was like, this is it. And... um you know, he would break up with me and I would just tell him, you know, this is not how a relationship works. Like, you need to communicate with me. If we have a disagreement, let's talk about it. Let's fix it. Which was like a foreign language to me. Yeah, but I think over time, like, especially, you know, in the last couple of years, he has become so great at communicating. He has. Yeah. He's been, he's been wonderful. And like, even today... You know, I thought I was going to be a few minutes late. Um, And he told me, like, right in that moment, he was like, you know, this is why sometimes I feel like I'm second priority to your career. And when he told me, I dropped everything I was doing to make sure that I was home right on time because that was important to him. And he was communicating it to me. So it's worth it. No, like I can make sure that I can follow up on those things. And I think that's taken him a bit to get there, but um, he's there and it's great. You really appreciate it. I super appreciate it. I'd rather somebody just tell me rather than, you know, me try and, you know, figure out what this person is thinking or, you know, did I do something? Did I not do something? I can be a little bit different. Yeah, sometimes, but I, I think you've, you've, you know, really really evolved in that way. Yeah. I work on it. Yeah. Is that just your therapy and just... Yes. It's, it's wanting more out of my life and understanding that people are a big part of that and working with people is a big part of that. Turns out people like it when you communicate with them and you're clear about what you want. You seem to get more. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of therapy and a lot of reading and a lot of meditating and self-reflection and a lot of work. So I want to go back to these two or three times where, Chad, you tried to sabotage and end it. And Pasha said, no, that's not how this works. What was it that he said or did that was so convincing? Because I think a lot of people would have said, hey, look, I ended it. Get out of here. How did he convince you to keep hanging in there? I think that, if I remember correctly, one of the times that he uh, was so persistent, he was living on one end of 35, the 35 overpass, and I was living on the other side. And he put on rollerblades and rollerbladed to my place along I-35. 
which anyone that knows I-35 knows that that's crazy. So he shows up at my door, he knocks, he's in his rubber blades, no shirt, his shorts, and he's like, this is not how this works. We're gonna have to work this out. <laughs> a little a little sex it's, appeal yeah. <laughs> yeah. mixed in with the communication. Yeah. <laughs> so just the effort that he put in to be there, I guess, pulled me over to the other side. I think but you just have to show up. Yeah. You have to show up and know. And and you know, if you're really wanting it to work, I mean you have to be super committed to the process because it's never ending. I, I think it's it's a lot of work. We work on our marriage every day. Every day we're having conversations about, you know, how do you feel about our relationship? What do you feel like can be stronger? What do you feel like is going really well? We do it every day. You check in day every day. Because it's 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 not really we make it that it's not an option. It just is. And I think that that really helps. A lot of couples, I think, avoid doing that because of the tendency to get defensive. Mm -hmm. So how is it that you check in so frequently and avoid defensiveness? Or do you? Maybe sometimes you do get defensive. I think in the beginning there was a lot of defensiveness. I don't know that that exists anymore. Um, Because we fought really dirty in the beginning. Like... I would fight to win. Chad would fight to win. And then I think we came to the realization that it's not about winning or losing. It's a team effort. And so I think we've just decided that, um, you know, it's for both of us. It's not one or the other. And we're just going to continue to work on it together. And that's a conversation we have actually when we have disagreements is... If I catch him doing it or he catches me do it, we, we pause and say, this is not about winning. Like if you've made your point and the other one can reasonably concede that point, they should. And that is helpful and it's a good reminder for us that this is not a, a winning situation. It's, it's for the relationship to win, not for each of us individually to win. There's a couples therapy book with a chapter titled, Do You Want to Be Loved or Do You Want to Be Right? Yeah. Mm. And we made a rule a while, like a long time ago, to never go to bed in that. Yeah. So if we haven't finished, we just, we finish. It might be a late night. Yeah, it, it might, might be, be a late night. night. And it's been. Yeah. But it's always worked out. And I think we also just respect one another and respect the other person's opinions and assessment and feelings. And if I didn't, if I didn't respect him or think that he had the potential of being right, it would be harder for me to concede. Uh, but I think that we have enough respect for one another that we are able to concede when we are wrong. Were there previous relationships that kind of informed how you do your relationship with each other now? I was in a relationship for, I guess, about three years before I met Pasha. And it actually wasn't that long after that relationship ended, maybe about a year, that Pasha and I got together. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much it informed. It informed you what you didn't want. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he's a lovely person. Right. And wishing nothing but, but good things. But we were just not right for one another. Yes. And I think through that process, I definitely learned more about who I want to be. And I brought that to this relationship. 
more about that, like your own personal values about what kind of partner you hope or strive to be. Pasha and I push one another like crazy. Um, And that's something that I admire and love about him and respect. And it's sort of funny because sometimes I feel like I'm doing really well with my career and Pasha's trying to figure things out. And then we're in a time right now where I feel like Pasha's really going strong and I'm kind of figuring things out. But when I see him succeeding, it just pushes me to get my nose to the grindstone, put in the extra work. I was working before I came over to do this on a Sunday afternoon. Um, so we, we push one another a lot, I think in a very healthy way. Yeah. Not, Not a lot of jealousy. I would be lying if I said that there was no jealousy at all. You know, Pasha went and did some stuff this week and, and spoke at university, and I was a little bit jealous of that. Really? Yeah, but I don't take it. It's not like, oh, I'm so jealous of Pasha. I mean, it's jealous. It's like, oh, I want to do that. You're role modeling for me the way forward for me. And, and that just motivates me. I let that jealousy be motivation to get my shit together sometimes. I always think Chad is doing way better than me. So I don't know. <laughs> you do. I really do. I mean, I, I told him, I think like probably in the first month that we were dating that he was one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And it, I still think that. So like, I just always think he's doing better than me. So I'm just like, you know, kind of enjoying the ride and, that's not true. No, I mean, I'm a very slow climb, right? Like, so I, I just kind of slowly progress and it's, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. But Chad is kind of what I think is amazing about him. is it's like all or nothing. Like he will just throw it all in and be like, Oh, well, hopefully it will stick. But if it doesn't, Oh, well, he's a risk taker. Oh my gosh. He is so much of a risk taker. And I am so not a risk taker. <laughs> A good balance. She's very conservative. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So. But that has saved us. I mean, there have been times when we've been really grateful that Pasha is so conservative. And there have been times when we're really happy that I, I will take the big risk. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Pasha, I know that you are quite successful in what you do. And you've written how many books already? Uh, two. Two. So... Tell me, given your success, talk a little bit about what you do. Well, I am a music educator and a performer, and um, I teach privately here in Austin, but I do teach all over the country. I get invited a lot to teach other places and give classes. It just seems like now it's starting to do things where I'm giving classes on entrepreneurship because I've built what some people would say is a lot out of nothing. Me being an entrepreneur in the way that I am initially did start with Chad because Chad was with me at the end of my doctorate degree when I was convinced that all I wanted to do was be a college professor. And then I actually did it for a year and completely hated it, finished my doctorate degree and was crying on the couch (laughs) when I was dating Chad. And, you know, Chad walked in being that lovable little teddy bear that he is. It was like, what are you doing with your life? Get up and make something happen. (laughs) Oh, that kind of teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. But it worked. And he helped me come up with a plan and 
then I just started thinking about other things and then it just ended up morphing into something totally wonderful and amazing and I feel so lucky to be able to do what I've always wanted to do and make a good living from it because it is rare in this field to be able to have both. So, and you know, I mean, that's from my relationship with Chad. I mean, Chad, is it just me or was Pasha a bit modest just then? Yeah. So Pasha doesn't just teach music kids. He teaches like the Olympic athletes of violin kids. Um, Pasha's a much bigger deal than he gives himself credit for. He's written this book that helps kids that want to go into music. It gives them and their parents a blueprint to go through that because uh, Pasha, Pasha's parents weren't musicians, so they didn't know. And so he basically lays it out for parents and kids. If you want to do this, here's how you do it. He has a practice journal. He has a second book that's written. It's not yet published to help college kids create a career out of it. Um, I like to brag on Pasha. Pasha is the, the highest paid music teacher in, um, in, in Austin. Um, his rates are higher than anybody else, pretty much double anybody else's. And he is incredibly brave uh, and will take my risk-taking advice sometimes and it has paid off for him, but only because he had the courage to do it. So. Isn't that so sweet? Very Sometimes he's very sweet. He can be. That was that was kind of Teddy Bearish. That was Teddy Bearish. <laughs> Chad, tell us more about your work and how it um, benefits or challenges your relationship with Pasha. Yes. So a lot of what I do is on the internet. So I I teach. Um, I, I wrote a program for entrepreneurs who are just launching their business, and it's an online program and. I think we've put about 2,500 students through that program. I sell my program to um, franchises. Um, and so the franchise will buy a subscription and then they'll put their people through it to help them launch their business. And so a lot of mine is on autopilot. And I, it gives me the luxury to have an income, but also to do these projects like you know trying to host my own events or uh, write the book, write my own book, and work on some other other fun stuff that I want to do. And a moment ago, I could hear how proud Pasha is of you. He's so amazing. I'm always in awe of him. I mean, there are very few people that I know that can take a business from zero to over half a million in their first year. And I think that that speaks volumes about him. I wish this were a video because watching your all's faces brag about each other is just so sweet. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, part of the thing that's really been great for our relationship is we both started with nothing. Zero. There was a day when we woke up in that duplex that you visited us in many years ago. And Pasha looks at me and he goes, we have 23 cents in the bank. What are we going to do? And that's where we came from. Um, absolutely nothing. And this was, uh, at the time, my parents were going through their divorce. Neither of us have a safety net. Um, and we are one another's safety net. And that pretty well informs our work ethic and informs our every day. Because there's nobody that's going to bail us out. It's, it's on us. You're there for each other. Yeah. Is there a story about the most 
joyous occasion in your relationship thus far? For me, can I talk about that? Go ahead. Well, for me, it was the South Africa trip uh, and getting to experience that together. When we went to South Africa and we went on safari and that brought me so much joy just to be able to have this lifelong memory that was surreal, actually. It was, it was a surreal experience for me. Mm-hmm. I think mine was the day we got married. Yeah? Tell yeah, me about you just one up me. What? <laughs> I don't know. South Africa is pretty <laughs> No, I mean, South Africa is great, but I just, um, you know, we had been together six years, and um, we had always, you know, talked about, are we going to get married? Or not get well, married? it wasn't legal. We got, we got married the year that it became legal. The last day of the year, we got married on December 31st of 2015. Yeah. Oh, but we had, even when it became legal, we were still kind of like, you know, is this something that we're going to do? We're together, you know, do we really need this piece of paper? Um, It was just a very beautiful moment for me because um, we had moved together in the span of six years, seven times. So like our lives were constantly like pick up, go, pick up, go, pick up, go. But I think in that moment, um, I felt like this is sticking. It's not pick up, go. We're here. This is it. We've arrived at this point. And that for me was so just overwhelmingly beautiful. Did you feel differently after you got married? Yes. You did. Yeah. Very much. Both of you in unison said yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. What felt different? A sense of oneness that I hadn't experienced before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just felt like I couldn't even put my finger on it, but I just felt a little bit closer. Yeah. Because you moved through, and when you're dating, and even when you were together as long as you and I were together, well, six years before mm-hmm. we got married, you're. S- I don't, I don't know if everybody was like this, but I still felt like we were independent units operating on a similar track, going through life, sharing life together, but very much independent units. And when we got married, just a sense of oneness and uh, being in it together for better or worse, for richer or poorer, for in sickness and health, it just it really meant something to me and it, it completely changed my mindset about my relationship. Well, we're almost at the end of our time, but if you were to give advice to a younger couple who was trying to figure out this thing called relationship, marriage, commitment, what would you tell them? There are two things that I would that I would advise. The first one is to get in touch with your truth, not the truth that you were raised with. Um, so much of what we go through life doing is operating under the assumptions that were ingrained in us early in life. And we're in conflict or can't figure out why we're not making progress. Can't figure out why we can't get the relationships right in any part of our lives. And that's because we're still telling ourselves the old stories that are not true and do not apply to us anymore. So do the work on yourself would be number one, really work on yourself. I, I, I advocate therapy for everybody. I think everybody should be in therapy it's so good for you and don't half-ass it. Go in there, be vulnerable, uh, do the homework outside of therapy, read as much as you can get your hands on and do the work on yourself. And the second thing I would advise is be ready to work. 
It is a relationship and it is fun and it is joyous and it's great, but it's a lot of fucking work. And so you've got to be prepared to work every single day when it's not comfortable, when it, it would be so much easier to just walk away. You get in there and you do the work. If it matters to you, you'll do the work and it will be very worth it. It's, it's a lot of work, but I think, you know, anything worth anything is a lot of work. So you just have to remember that putting in the time is, is a good thing and it's a rewarding thing. And, and why are you putting in the time? Because you respect and love and admire the person that you're with and you want them to be the best version of themselves and you want to be the best version of yourself and together you want to be a great couple. Tasha, Chad, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them, so please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great week. 